I should have started 15 seconds earlier so I could have caught that on camera. Well, that's uh, me doing the robot. It was pretty good. It was good. That's why I took dance. To learn the robot? <laughs> to learn the robot. <laughs> so that's nobody all ever that taught me that. That's all me. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it's been a weird week and it, and we're recording early. Yeah. It's been a weird week and it's only Wednesday. Yeah. It feels like it should not be Wednesday. It should be Friday already. Mm-hmm. But, but it probably doesn't help that we are recording. It makes it feel more like it should be Friday. This is true. But nope, I have to go to work tomorrow. The curse of adult birthdays. I had to go to work on my birthday this year, too. I mean, once you hit a certain age, you just have to go. Nobody cares it's your birthday. I'm not going to pay you for your birthday and not have you come to work, sadly. Unless it's PTO, in which case yeah. they that doesn't count, really. Oh, and a free day. <clears throat> a free day. Mm-hmm. When we start our own business, it'll be incorporated into the employee handbook. Perfect. One of your holidays will include your own birthday. Yes. Interesting industries will give you your birthday off every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also, we're recording Wednesday, and... My guest spot on the Turgid Tomes podcast with Ashley is now live. So if you Ooh. haven't already, go ahead and listen to it. It was fun to do. I think that you guys will like the book. I actually did read it. <laughs> so it sounded interesting when you told me about it, but I did not have time to listen to anything today. <laughs> That's okay. You have time eventually. later on. Eventually. Eventually. Maybe not this week. Belated birthday gift to me is everybody go listen to it. Yeah. And I'm also sorry that I kept calling it Turgid Tomes last week. I don't know how to pronounce things. (laughs) We've already we've already discovered this. This is not new. I didn't I didn't misspeak last week, so correcting it now. Well, this is Haunter Hoax. Yep. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. We haven't said that yet, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. And this is going to be a wild episode, um, but I think that people will like this episode. It's about Mm -hmm. a place that's super relevant and popular, especially right now, because there was a new Netflix kind of docuseries that came out about it. I have not watched it yet. Please don't burn me at the stake for that. I I just haven't watched it yet, but it is the Cecil Hotel in California. I started watching that documentary, and to be 100% honest, I lost interest and turned it off. Here's what my take on this. It's from the same people who did Making of a Murderer, Mm -hmm. and unpopular opinion, I lost interest in that. I never finished that. I I, lost interest and turned that one off. I don't know if it's just the style, or like, I don't know, the storyline, the way that they tell the story, it's just not captivating to me as it is to some other people unsolved mysteries great absolutely watch the whole thing every time i wish it was the same host but i don't know where he is now (laughs) he's gotta be kind of too old and retired and he got abducted by aliens a long time ago yeah exactly now he's doing some alien unsolved mystery show (laughs) where were the humans dropped after this abduction (laughs) (laughs) exactly 
Um, but there's no aliens at the Cecil. No. No. There's a lot of other crazy, mm-hmm. dark things. Um, and I think we should just get into it. Tell me about it. Okay. Well, I was a little bit frustrated because the Cecil is said to be haunted, but I wasn't finding too much. But luckily, Zach Bagans came in for me oh, and actually has done an episode just recently on this place. Um, I think it was in 2021. Hmm. Um, they're the first paranormal TV show or team to ever be able to film a show in it. So that was kind of cool. Um, but the Cecil is a hotel that has been said to inspire the 2015 season of American Horror Story Hotel. Uh, a lot of the themes and characters are reflected with real things that happened at the Cecil itself. There are a lot of reported suicides, a lot of drug activity. It kind of reminded me of the DeSoto Mm-hmm. where eventually it kind of just became a more or less flop house for people who were down on their luck or addicted to drugs or not going through it. a hard time yeah and um <clears throat> i think that kind of just adds to the whole heavy energy of this place and there's also a rumor that the black dahlia had her last drink at the hotel bar before she turned up dead I got a story about a 1916, 1960, 1962 woman named Pauline who jumped from a ninth floor window. And so she killed herself and supposedly she killed an unsuspecting bystander who she landed on top of when he was walking down the sidewalk, which awful way to go for both of them. Absolutely. You were just heading to work and then boom. Some lady falls on you and you die. One person saw it coming. Another person did not. No. And it shouldn't be funny and it's not funny. It just it seems, it really seems like a Three Stooges to get to me. I don't know why. It was just very jarring to read. Um, and then in that same year, apparently two other women killed themselves by jumping um, I also, in the Ghost Adventures episode, they had a psychic named Patty who, in room 1016, was feeling like she needed to, like, protect herself and crouch down and, like, get away from, like, this aggressive sort of energy. And she felt like she was trying to, the energy or the spirit was trying to, like, attack her or SA her. And supposedly in 1016 is where a where a woman named Pigeon Goldie was sexually assaulted and murdered. And while Patty was there, they got some weird um, photos as well. And I'll show you those later. The most well-known like story, story, rumor, legend is, of course, of the 21-year-old Chinese-Canadian tourist, Elisa Lam. She disappeared and then she was found later murdered i don't have all the details on that i'm sure you'll fill us in i want to say the main thing about this though is that there's speculation according to zach bagans according to some articles that she was driven by a unknown demonic force well because of 
because apparently there's footage, of course, there's footage of her in this elevator and she is speaking to an unseen figure, mm-hmm. like talking, pantomiming to an unseen figure. And so that gives people the impression that she's talking to like a spirit or like some sort of demonic force that is like trying to influence her. And that is, that's the explanation they come up with. I can go into that more. Okay, perfect. There was a TikToker who lived across the street from the Cecil who made a video saying that he looked out the window a lot to the Cecil just to see if he could see anything um, since it's not occupied. It was at that time occupied by anybody like guests. Mm-hmm. And he saw some what looked like somebody, a woman standing outside a window but he didn't see her come out afterwards he like kept an eye on the door didn't see anybody come in or out of the building after that the police came by and they're like are you all right because she's standing outside of a window and like i don't think if it was an apparition like he was kind of speculating she would have talked back to them (laughs) yeah and she said that she was filming something and from the video, I'm not going to show it to you because I kind of have debunked this, but I will link it um, and I'll try to find it on actual TikTok. So I'll ch- share it to the Instagram so you guys know what I'm talking about. In the video, you can see the woman pretty clearly. She does not look like she's dead. <laughs> she does not look like a ghost. And she says that she's filming something or she's filming for something. And in the Ghost Adventures episode, there's a reenactment and she's wearing it, it's her. She's wearing the exact same clothing. And it's like the same sort of scene where they're like trying mm-hmm. to reenact sort of like a, one of the mm-hmm. suicides. And so I have debunked this. It's not a ghostly encounter. This is just, he just happened to catch them filming, which is kind of cool, but it is kind of cool. Um, it's like, not a ghost. It's just ghost adventures. <laughs> ghost adjacent kind of. So you're not completely wrong, but still there was, however, a young man who, captured a image from from a window of the Cecil he is said to quoted as saying when I looked at the the window it just looked kind of creepy to me and then I showed my friend and he kind of freaked out it creeps me out still because of the photo that he got and I will show you that photo it's a very I want to preface this by saying this photo is very out of focus hmm that's interesting it is interesting it kind of looks like a person Mm mm-hmm but so like kind of like a mannequin person, <laughs> but they're standing at this window. It was just very odd. I can see why this would kind of give you pause. Of course, like I said, it's a very grainy out of focus picture. So it could be that you're moving and kind of uh, getting something as you move. But that is interesting. I feel like that definitely looks more ghostly than a lot of the other images that we've seen. Yes, definitely. The overhang on the top of the window kind of almost makes it more convincing because it would kind of prevent anything from reflecting right there you know yeah and I mean it does more than anything it does look like a figure it doesn't look just like they move the camera and like a flag was there or something Mm -hmm. so it it's not nothing and it's more than a lot of other images have provided me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I found this article more centralized over the ghost adventures investigation uh you know they mentioned that cecil hotel boasts evidence of scratches disembodied voices light anomalies and faucets that turned seemingly on by invisible forces and more but 
they go into detail to say that even though prior attempts to gain permission to film had been rejected, Zach Bagans thought maybe because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the ensuing shutdowns, the hotel owners allowed it because of the production Mm -hmm. paying them, which would make sense. Make that money. Yes. Or maybe things happened to themselves and they had enough of it is what Zach also said. It all leads back to ghosts. It goes into mention that this has been on Zach Bagan's bucket list. He, you know, has a lot of memorabilia from possessed dolls, possessed possessions, and a lot of serial killer things, such as drawings by Ramirez. And then Zach kind of goes into that vein by saying, I collect his things. I have his death row TV, his sketches, his clothing. And he says he studies these people and he has visited the cemetery in El Paso where Ramirez got started and was said to practice satanic rituals. And I would not admit this to anybody. (laughs) What are you doing? It makes you seem like a creep. Who is going to go out with you, Zach Bagans? Who is going to date you knowing that you like to study Richard Ramirez and collect his things? He does. He has them on display in his museum. He has his jacket and his drawings, and he does, in fact, have his TV with a little plaque that says this is Richard Ramirez's TV. It's like, wow, fucking great. (laughs) Ooh, wow. Here's the thing. I have a healthy interest in true crime. I think I don't consume as much of it as I did before with the pandemic. I kind kind of was really binging it because I think we were all just looking for something to occupy our time. Mm hmm I like documentaries. I like to listen to the podcasts. I like to read the books. I'm not into collecting their things. It just has no interest for me. Just not even that it could have bad energy. It's just the fact that like... I don't want it. I don't want to remember this person Mm -hmm. and have a little souvenir from their time. Well, I think when, at least for me, when I look into the serial killers and like true crime i'm looking at it more from like the psychological perspective and like the thought process and the actual story not the person i don't care about the person the person was a bad person you know right when it comes down to it they're terrible exactly and i think that richard ramirez kind of holds a special interest to zach biggins because he believes through his studying that Ramirez was actually engaged in a top tier possession and where he was committing it in the devil's name, like truly and sincerely, he thought he was possessed by the devil. Zach does kind of drive home that he doesn't give a pass to Richard Ramirez because of this, but he was generating more negative energy and entities at the hotel while he was staying there, mm. supposedly. He believes that Richard Ramirez did satanic rituals at the Cecil Hotel, which saturated it in dark energies. He also thinks that there's something supernatural about the grounds upon which the building stands. And Zach theorizes that the Cecil is built upon an Aztec temple and that it's part of some ancient machine. In California? I think that he's like, and not maybe like, not i think that this is out of context because it mentions the vampire infested strip club from dusk till dawn 
where that was supposedly built on top of an Aztec temple. I think that he, he's saying that it was, it's like akin to that. Like it's similar. It's like it equates it to that. That it's built on some sort of similar temple and part of an ancient machine is what he said. Mm-hmm. He said that when you enter Cecil Hotel, you know that there are doors to the other world. We see a deeper dimension. It goes way down. He believes it goes way down to the earth and draws a lot of energy through the earth. It's magnified by the dark energy and criminal activity of Skid Row and amplified by the rituals of serial killers like Richard Ramirez and Jack Unterweger. Witcher. Um, so that is his theory as to why the place is haunted and why it's so basically cursed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do we think that Zach Biggins has gotten a little bit carried away for he years now? <laughs> a little too much time in that respirator. Yes. But, you know, these are his theories. Can't, it's his opinion. <laughs> but in the episode, they do get a lot of interesting things, I think. Uh, in the room 412, which uh, Elisa Lamb was supposedly staying, a uh, crime scene photographer um, in L.A. reports that he was taking pictures in there and he felt hands around his neck. And when he was being interviewed in that room, he could not stay because he had a feeling of aggression and he felt like he needed to punch something. So he needed to leave. Oh, yeah. Uh, also throughout the episode in Ramirez's room, Billy is using... <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of it. So I said, he's using the ghost speak and spell. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost, Mr. Alphabet. (laughs) Yes. So, and he gets the word friend first. And he said, he asked what the friend wanted. And it said living. And he said, why would you want, like, why do you want something living? And he said, female. And then... He's, it's, he's, he asked it, what do you want a female for? And the thing came back with the word me. So, and they suggest that this isn't really a friend. This is some sort of demon or evil spirit. Maybe Richard Ramirez himself asking for a woman. So take with that what you will. They also have like a lot of experiences with the elevator I kind of was skimming through the episode, just trying to get to the evidentiary parts because they spend a lot of time talking. <laughs> and usually Listen, it's There's fine. a lot to talk about. I know, but usually it's fine, but I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, I want to see what you find and I want you guys to freak out and cry like I'm used to. There's not many situations where Zach feels the need to fangirl. All right. <laughs> this is one of them. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, but. I needed him to sh- sh- shut up. <laughs> so uh, apparently they were in the elevator earlier and they got a stick figure with the SLS camera and they had pushed a button to close the doors. And the once the doors were closed, it just it took him randomly to floor seven. So later, Jay is in there and he's talking about playing. He's like, do you want to play the elevator game like Zach played earlier? To open portals? No, Jay. We don't want to play that game. If you play, if you're really saying that this this place is so evil and dark, why are you going to open more things? 
I'm just saying. I was judging heavily. <laughs> don't be so direct. Why do you have to ask that? <laughs> right. Why don't can't you do just that? leave it at the game? Exactly. Um, he later, Jared later tries to hit all the buttons like Elisa did. You can see in the video where she presses all the buttons. He pressed floor 15 first and it and the elevator immediately took him to floor seven hmm. which is a weird coincidence it could be that the elevator is just programmed to go to level seven did they have an explanation for that no they didn't so i don't know hmm. at the thirty-eight thirty-six mark there is a female voice when he's stepping back onto the elevator that sounds like it's saying hello at 35.57, which I have a new phone now, so, and hopefully Discovery Plus works this time. It does. Okay. <laughs> um, It's much louder, so I think that you'll be able to hear it better. I did. I said go back. Before I go to, to this, so it's Aaron, and they're in, I think it's Elisa's room. They're in a hotel room. I don't think it's Ramirez's room, but they ask if Ramirez is there. And they get this EVP. Did you hear that? The like deep man's voice? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, they say that's the EVP because it's just Aaron by himself. Mm -hmm. um, and they just say it's an unknown voice. They don't give any suggestion on what it could be saying. To me, it sounded like it's saying no. Yeah, that's what I would like, no. Yeah, like, no, he's not in here. Stop no. asking that. Why are you yelling? <laughs> right. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That's a very clear voice. Mm -hmm. Um, It's coming through the spirit box, of course. So take that with a grain of salt. But it, it was a good piece of evidence, I think. And then at 36.12, Zach is going down a hallway. He says, talk to me when... I pass you, and he gets an EVP. So let me do that one. Trying to communicate. Talk to me when I pass you. As I receive this unknown male response, I immediately use my full spectrum. <clears throat> so that, again, sounds like the same male voice or a similar deep male voice to me. Mm -hmm. And when I listened to it, when I was watching the episode, it sounds like it's saying to me, it's a trophy. I couldn't hear it that well. It almost sounded like a but on my end. Mm. It's very, very quick. And then I had to listen to it for a few times, but I get from my point of view and people can tell me their own theories because again, they don't suggest it says what it says. To me, it sounded like it said it's a trophy, hmm. which... I don't I don't recall if Ramirez kept trophies. I don't think so. Or I don't I don't even know who the other serial killer is to be honest. No, I didn't recognize the name either. So um I'm not sure. At the same time that he gets this EVP, there is a series Can't of pitch Zachary Vegas. <laughs> Do not interrupt me. Quit talking so much. Shut up. Um, <clears throat> he takes a series of photos, which I did find very compelling, but I cannot screenshot them because Discovery. Discovery Plus won't let me. These the photos that I'm talking about are 
shown directly after that EVP mm-hmm. at 36.12. And basically, it, they're not as compelling as this other photo that I wanted to show you, but he takes three photos in succession. I think that Zach Biggins is listening to us. He's listening to this podcast. He knows that I, I bully him out of love because <laughs> he took three photos in succession. The first photo, there really isn't anything. On the second photo, there looks like a like a random shadow that just appears. Hmm. And in the third photo, a sh- the shadow comes closer. Oh, don't like that. <laughs> Do not like that. But it does show like a progression. And he did say, he's like, at first I thought it might be my shadow, but the angle wasn't right from where I was standing taking pictures and the sh- shadow would be on the wall. Mm-hmm. So... There's that. He gets this EVP and then immediately takes these three photos, which good on him. I'm glad he did it. He did it with this other photo as well. (laughs) And the other photo I'm going to show you is in the episode around 5911 with Patty the Psychic. They talk about this Pigeon Goldie experience in 1016 and then they go out into the hallway to kind of take a break because she's feeling very drained and again i want to preface this by saying zach bacon's sensationalist is a lot of things however they did take three photos i don't have the other two photos but in the episode you can see they took a photo of her before a photo of her with that was this photo and then a photo after this person was this thing, whatever this was, was not in the first and third photo. Hmm. Is it just the one? So it's that, that one right there. And then the one right after it, if you scroll down, that shadow on the floor is the one in the third picture that they took. Hmm. So you see that shadow? Mm-hmm. That was immediately after this but- figure. The off-screen shadow. Yeah. So the thing is, is that I would say this is a hotel. People are staying there, except for they're not, because they shut down the hotel hotel for this production. And then they do point out in the episode, you know, it's a bald man with a goatee. It could be Aaron. Aaron's the one taking these photos. (laughs) So none of them are bald. And I don't know. I don't know if this is just like a trick of production or what have you. The shadow didn't mean as much to me because somebody could have moved and yeah. the shadow could have just appeared. The figure in the door, the sliver of the doorway, because they do show the three photos in a row, it's not there. And they're, t- they're taking the rapid photos. So... I feel like you would see, although they could have just taken the pictures out where you see him kind of move <laughs> this person pretending to be a figure. I don't know. I don't know. And if you zoom in, it still looks like that person is still in the picture. Like there's still, it looks like there's a foot in the doorway. Mm, see, I just chalked that up to being a baseboard. Because mm. it's not there in the other one. Figure does not make me happy. I don't find that as compelling as the one in the window. window. That looks like an actual person. It does look like an actual person. It looks like a very creepy person, and I would not want them near me. But it does look like a person. Unless it's Aaron. 
<laughs> Unless it's Aaron. Oh, I would love to be near Aaron. He's great. But other than that, no. Uh, so I don't know. This is like this was their big aha towards the end of the episode. Mm. They were all wearing masks too, which they like really drove home as like it couldn't be one of them because they're all wearing masks. I'm like, my dude, masks come off. You can take. We them haven't off. we haven't plastered them to our face quite yet. So those are all the things I have for you. Oh, yeah. Again, I would have thought you would have found so much more. No. Mm, with the Ghost Adventures episode, they do really focus on Elisa Lamb. Um, and they do have, like I said, they have like these EVPs and these disembodied voices and everything. Um, but when you look at the Cecil Hotel, I can't really find a lot of like actual outside experiences. And I think it's because for a long time they didn't let anybody in. Mm. So even though there's rumors and stories about it being cursed and having demons and having the ghosts of the people who have died there, there's not a lot of eyewitnesses because a lot of people haven't been there in so long. Okay. Yeah. That so. makes sense. But well, still very cool. Yeah. I can give you the rundown of what has happened there okay. when we get back from our break. So excited. Welcome to Tart Club. Turgid Tomes is a wanton book club where we get together every other Wednesday to eat, drink, and discuss the latest romantical read. If you happened upon this podcast and don't like the F word or boners, now's your chance to GTFO. This is your official explicit content warning. This podcast is highly inappropriate and listener discretion is advised. What a weird week. So weird. I would say a little weirder than the Cecil Hotel. Just a little. But we'll get into that later. Right now, let me tell you about what's going on. Or what has gone on. A little bit of what's currently going on. Okay. We'll just get into it. (laughs) So, (laughs) this place was built in 1924 by, and what I loved about Wikipedia is they call them hoteliers. Which is almost like musketeers. <laughs> so the three hoteliers. <laughs> it reminded me of the Lumineers. They're a band. The Lumineers, the musketeers, and the hoteliers. <laughs> Regardless, it's three. Oh, yeah, I told that joke last week. <laughs> so we have, not very important, but William Banks, Hanner, Charles, Dix, D-I-X, guys dix and robert shops and they built it as a destination for business travelers and tourists the hotel cost 1.5 million to complete and contained it was very lavish if you've seen inside pictures of the lobby very pretty it's got a marble lobby stained glass windows potted palms those alabaster statuary type very fancy very 20s very rich pre-depression 20s so the three hoteliers invested 2.5 million in the hotel unfortunately within five years of its opening enter the great depression the hotel did thrive as a very popular destination through the 1940s but unfortunately it began to decline as a maybe you recognize the name area known as skid row started to become increasingly more populated yeah it said as many as ten thousand homeless people lived within a four mile radius Mm -hmm. just unreal 
In 2008, a portion of the hotel was refurbished by some new owners. In 2011, part of the Cecil Hotel was rebranded as the, quote, Stay on Main. And that had separate reception areas during the day, but had shared facilities. And then in 2014, the hotel was sold to a New York City hotelier. Is that really a real term? Hotel. (laughs) Exactly how you would think. Hotelier. Yeah. Hotelier. Noun. A person who owns and manages a hotel. All for one and one for all. Hotelier. (laughs) That one hotelier was Richard Bourne, B-O-R-N, for $30 But then another New York-based firm acquired a 99-year ground lease on the property. Don't ask me what that was. I'm not a real estate agent. In 2016, Matt Barron, president of Simon Barron, said he was committed to the preservation of architecturally or historically significant components of the building, such as the hotel's grand lobby. But his company planned to completely redevelop the interior and fix the, quote, hodgepodge work that had been done in more recent years. The hotel closed in 2017 for renovation, but the work was suspended indefinitely when that great COVID-19 pandemic hit. In 2017, February specifically, the Los Angeles City Council voted to deem the Cecil Hotel a historic cultural monument because it represents early 20th century American hotels and because of the historic significance of its architect's body of work. On December 13th, 2021, the Cecil Hotel reopened as an affordable housing complex operated by the Skid Row Housing Trust. The facility provides affordable living accommodation for 600 low-income residents, which is pretty cool. Yes, very cool. Still such a small, small number compared to the amount of people that are homeless in California. Yeah, awful. Um, So that's kind of like a rundown of... It's history. Let me tell you about all the awful stuff. Um, This has literally everything that you can think of bad in it, A to Z. So this is your disclaimer. There's a lot of bad things. Got it. Skip ahead like, I don't know, 10 minutes (laughs) because there's a lot. We're going to start in 1927, January 22nd. Igmega, Mark, the age 52, He was a cook, and he shot himself in the head while in his hotel room after failing to reconcile with his wife and child. The Los Angeles Times said that he was rushed to the receiving hospital with a a slim chance of survival, but the death records reveal that he died that same evening. Then November 19, 1931, Preston Hadley Hicks, he was 83, ingested poison. Uh, He was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, he had checked into the Cecil Hotel under the name James Willies from Chicago. In September of 1934, Benjamin Deutsch died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The maid found him in his room. He did not leave a suicide note. July 1937, former Army Medical Sergeant Borden was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He had slashed his throat with a razor. He left several notes, one of which cited poor health as the reason for his suicide. March of 1938, Grace E. Margot fell from a ninth-story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. 
She later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Grace's death was the result of an accident or suicide. Mm. There's not a lot of information that goes into this one, but Roy Thompson, at the age of 35, died in January of 1939 from falling from the building. It stated that he died of suicide. Navy officer Erwin Neblett was found dead in his room after ingesting poison in May of 1939. January of 1940, Dorothy Seeger, who was a teacher, um, she was registered under the name Evelyn Brent in the at the hotel. Mm-hmm. She ingested poison on January 10th while staying and was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be near death. Beforehand, she had sent her relatives a note indicating that she was going to end her life. She eventually succumbed to the effects of poisoning and died at General Hospital on January 12th, 1940. Oh my gosh. This one is very rough. And Sarah, if you're listening, skip forward 15 seconds. Oh, appreciate it. Dorothy Purcell was charged of murder for this one. Purcell was sharing a room with her boyfriend, shoe salesman Ben Levine, age 38 at the time. Dorothy was 19. Wow. Dorothy was not aware that she was pregnant, but she went into labor. She later testified that she didn't want to wake up her boyfriend, so she went to the bathroom and she gave birth to her baby boy. She thought the baby was dead, so she threw him out the window, and he landed on the roof of an adjacent building. Oh, my gosh. She was charged with murder. Three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident, and in January of 1945, she was found found not guilty by reason of insanity. I mean, like, you're in this situation with a man much older than you. Your circumstances might not be very good. You did not know you were pregnant. You're probably in shock, but still. <sighs> Awful. 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 Robert Smith, the age of 35, jumped from the Cecil's seventh floor building Mm -hmm. on November 1947. He died. It was stated he died of suicide. October 22nd, 1954, Helen Gurney, age 55, she was a stationary firm employee she jumped from the window of her seventh room floor and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. One week mm-hmm. earlier, she had registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. So those are two at the seventh floor. Interesting. Julia Moore, at the age of 50, jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. She did not leave a suicide note. Among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis. 59 cents in change, and an Illinois banknote showing a balance of $1,800, which was like interesting details. October 12th, 1962, Pauline Otten jumped from the window of her ninth floor after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. He had left the room prior to her suicide. Pauline landed on pedestrian George Gianni, and they killed them both instantly. There were no witnesses, so police initially thought Pauline and Gianni committed suicide together. Mm. However, it was determined that Gianni had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death, and he was still wearing shoes. If he had jumped, his shoes would have more than likely fallen off during the fall or upon impact, and his hands would not have been in his pockets. What a weird detail. Yeah. 
I was thinking about that. Like you hear about the shoes a lot, like determining, like being the deciding factor and you don't ever think about your shoes, but I guess they can tell a lot. Yeah. And especially um, with when people jump or if uh, like you can tell if somebody got hit by a car usually because you mm-hmm. come out of your shoes, which is just very odd. Yeah. I don't ever think about my shoes. <laughs> no, it's wild. June 4th, 1964. This one is about Pigeon Goldie Osgood. Oh. She was 65. A hotel worker discovered Osgood, a retired telephone worker, dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. She was well-known around the area and it had earned her nickname Pigeon because she fed birds in the nearby Pershing Square. Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Hours after her murder, Jacques Ellinger was seen walking through Pershing Square in bloodstained clothing. He was arrested and charged with her murder, but was later cleared of the crime and her murder remains unsolved. Mm. Do they ever have an explanation as to why he was walking around covered in blood where she was supposed to be? This is not a true crime. I'm just saying. Podcast. I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but I can if you want me to. <laughs> no. no, but good to confirm that. Horrible to confirm, but yeah, to confirm that that's the way that she died. December 20th, 1975, an unidentified woman jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered at the hotel on December 16th under the name Allison Lowell and was staying in room 327. Mm-hmm. September 1st, 1992, the body of an African-American man was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Police say it either fallen, jumped, or had been pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. The 20 to 30-year-old male has still never been identified. Mm-hmm. Uh- I'm going to skip over Eliza. Um I'm going to go to June 13th, 2015. The body of a 28-year-old man was found outside the hotel. Some theorized he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel, although a spokesperson for the county coroner informed the Los Angeles Times that the cause of death had not been determined. The man remains unidentified. So February 19th, 2013, and this is just like a brief synopsis per Wikipedia, but you can go more into detail if you're interested she has her own page on wiki so the eliza's naked body was found inside one of the water supply tanks on the roof hotel she had gone missing almost three weeks earlier on january 31st 2013 her decomposing body was discovered by a maintenance worker in one of the rooftop water tanks after guests had complained about low water pressure and that the water tasted funny yeah i would also like to um go a little bit more into that for just a second um, because there are people who after this happened and the hotel was still open who left reviews that said that the water turned black and the water still tasted off and after they've found her after all was said and done and then there's also reviews that are saying that people are just being dramatic Mm -hmm. and when they stayed nothing of the sort happened so still disgusting still gross i don't don't see how you stay anywhere after you discover that you've been drinking and or showering with dead people water brushing your teeth with dead people water i just i'd be throwing up forever oh 
Video surveillance footage taken from inside an elevator shortly before her disappearance showed her acting oddly, pressing elevator buttons sporadically, hiding in the corner of an elevator, waving her arms very erratically, and it caused a lot of speculation about her death. After the video was released, it kind of fueled the fire. She was reported to have bipolar disorder, and she had been prescribed various medications. People are thinking that that could have contributed to her death as well as her strange behavior on the elevator. Authorities later ruled her death as an accidental drowning. So her sister came forward and talked about how her sister was very bad about taking her medication. Mm -hmm. Like most bipolar people. Right. And when they went into her room, they found that she had not been taking her medication. Mm. And they were thinking that she was just in a manic state, got into the well. And the reason she was naked was because she was taking her clothes off because they were weighing her down to try and help stay afloat. I lean more with that than possession. a demonic possession. Yeah. And I, and I also, I do just say as many bipolars do like not to generalize, but as somebody who has a family member with bipolar disorder, I do know how hard it is to stay on medication because of the way it makes some, sometimes some of them feel, mm-hmm. it makes them feel not themselves. So they're less inclined to take it. So I just want to say that not all bipolar people have trouble but right. it, it, it makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense that she would have gone off her medication especially if she's in the she was a tourist she was on vacation i know that when i'm not at my house i don't do my regular routine sometimes i skip medication so the demonic possession is a very colorful story a very convenient story for people who well, want to sensationalize it but yeah and if she had no prior history then i'd be like oh well that's weird because her like if you watch the footage it's weird it is very strange but then when you know the backstory you're like oh that's kind of sad yeah so a couple other things like you mentioned richard ramirez did stay there jack unterweiker stayed there unter he's austrian he's an austrian serial killer and he committed murder in several other countries austria west germany czechoslovakia and the u.s okay he was essentially chased like all around the world (laughs) through switzerland france and the u.s and he was finally arrested in miami by the u.s marshals in 1992 um, he was extradited back to Austria in May of 1992 and charged with 11 murders, wow. including one in Prague and three in Los Angeles. He was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. That night, he committed suicide in the prison by hanging himself with a rope made from shoelaces and a cord from the trousers of a tracksuit is eerie using the same knot that was found on all the strangled sex workers gross gross and then you briefly mentioned elizabeth short staying there but people were saying that that was just sensationalized that it didn't actually happen yeah it's very it was very like random and like shoehorned in there and honestly i feel like in that area people claim that the black dahlia was seen at their establishment like literally everywhere everywhere Everywhere. go she was there 
So I kind of, I mentioned it because it is a rumor that she stayed at the Cecil, or she had a drink at the Cecil Hotel, but I don't believe that. Yeah. No, I think it was just a, a rumor. But that's it. I mean, that's it. That was a lot. But that <laughs> that was a lot. And that's a lot that's of all I have. Tragedy. Of course, everybody knows who Richard Ramirez is. And if you don't, then there are plenty of podcasts and television shows and documentaries about him. So don't feel like we need to go into him. But... No. And if you want a good one, watch The Night Stalker on Netflix. Yes. Solid. Awful. Solid. Watch it in pieces. But yeah. But that is the sad sad history it makes i mean it does make me pause and wonder like with that much like why why were there so many so i it something like that it almost makes it seem like it was kind of the known place to go and do that you like kind of like the suicide forest in japan in right. japan or the golden gate bridge right or not that it makes it okay but you know what i'm saying yeah it makes it like after you've had so many people mm -hmm. take their own lives there, it kind of just people will gravitate towards it. Right. I understand the jumping. The The poisons have really surprised me. I think that was a sign of the times, too, because that was early on. Yeah. And easier to get, probably. With all of that, do you think that it could potentially be haunted? I mean, I very well think so. Do I think yeah. it's a portal to another realm? No. no. I think it's just a sad place. Yeah. I think it's, a, yeah, I, like you said, I think it's just a sad place that has a lot of residual traumatic energy. Mm -hmm. I've seen the photos. I Those were really clear EVPs. I am inclined to believe that there is some sort of residual haunting. I do not think that there's something intelligent and evil in there possessing people to do awful, awful things. I don't believe that. Um, but yeah. Good job. You too. Where are we going next? Rhode Island. We are going to Rhode Island. <laughs> we're going back to the East Coast and we're going to Rhode Island. If you're listening to this and you have a guess to where we're going next, please let us know on our Instagram or Facebook. I will not confirm or deny if you're right until after it comes out, but it's fun to guess. Yeah. It's our big spooky Halloween episode. Yes. We're coming up. We're coming up on Halloween. We're coming up on this podcast being a year old. Oh, my God. Our little baby. Our baby. Um, What is your sage moment? Um, my sage moment is the chaos that has been today. But I'll <laughs> stick with one part of it. I have a squirrel in my garage. <laughs> yes. You have a wild animal in your garage that you're trying to rehabilitate. <sighs> you're doing a good thing. So if you know me, you will know that I have a weird knack of getting animals wandering into my life, whether it's birds or cats or dogs, or in this instance, a squirrel. I don't know why. It just happens. But the regular Snow White. I guess. Except, <laughs> nope, none of them are ever singing to me. They certainly don't Yet. make me any clothes like Cinderella. So and none of them help me clean my house. In this instance, my house got worse. So I let the dogs out. I didn't tell you what happened. I let the dogs out and Tucker chases the squirrels like every time I let him out, but he never catches them. And so I was like watching the dogs, you know, 
putts around. And then all of a sudden I see this thing come crawling out from underneath our porch and Tucker come like trailing after it. I was like, what is that? And it's a squirrel like army crawling on the ground, Mm. like dragging its little feet behind it. And I was like, oh, shit. Because now both of my dogs are interested and I'm like having to tell Tucker to leave it so that he doesn't get rabies or whatever else this animal might have. Right. He listens like a good boy, but he does not get away from it. And then Cleo catches interest and Cleo is very concerned for this animal. She's like, an empath. Yes. Ears down, sniffing, very sad. Like, what's mm. wrong, friend? Well, this squirrel tries crawling up the tree but his back legs aren't working and so he is just like crawling up by his front legs and he falls down a couple of times and then finally he just like lays himself over the bird hanger the bird feeder hook what was that picture that i sent you yeah and he fell off of that and i was like i can't leave him back here so i got the dogs inside and found a box and carefully very carefully coaxed him into this box because i don't want the plague or rabies So I got him in the box and I got inside my house and I look over at my window and what had happened, the dogs in their panic had knocked over all of my seedlings. So there's little baby plants and potting soil all on the floor. Oh, the poor seedlings. So squirrel, as far as I know, is doing okay. He was very cold or she. It was very cold. In case you're not aware, Georgia decided to take an early winter this year and we've been getting temperatures in like the low 30s so i got him on the towel and he just like buried his face in the towel and covered his face with his tail and went right to sleep it was very sad so i'm gonna take him to a wildlife rehabber tomorrow and hopefully he does okay hopefully he is rehabilitated to full health and he will thank you he'll get you a little acorn as a gift i have so many of those already but that would be so sweet (laughs) (laughs) just like you went to visit him he's just like a little acorn in his hands he just handed it to you wouldn't that be just the most precious thing (laughs) that's what i hope (laughs) i appreciate your hope (laughs) i'm optimistic (laughs) oh man what is your stage moment well my stage moment is technically a brag and also a call to action (laughs) so it's my birthday tomorrow (laughs) when you're (laughs) listening to this it'll be last thursday but it doesn't matter like we said belated gifts you can listen to where i was a guest on a podcast or i have two charities that you can give to um if you're so inclined one is living beyond breast cancer because october is breast cancer awareness month uh it is a community support and charity nonprofit that was created by Dr. Marissa Weiss in 1991. They do a lot of great work. I have a mother who is a survivor of breast cancer. I know a lot of people. I see it every day in my work who are dealing with breast cancer. So if you are so inclined, you can make a donation there in honor of my birthday. (laughs) Um, And the other one, since we were talking about Skid Row this episode, if you are inclined to do so, you can also donate to National Alliance to End Homelessness. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of nonprofit work all over the United States and also try to get laws passed to help our homeless community. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very important 
the world is a scary, awful place. Mm -hmm. And if we can do anything to help out, you know, our fellow man, woman, child, person, I think that we should, if we're able to. If you're not able to, then that's okay too. That's okay. Put a squirrel in the box. You're still helping. You're, if you're just putting the squirrel in the box and giving them seeds, you've done enough. <laughs> honestly. So that's it. That's it. We will talk to you next week. Hopefully you have a great weekend. And a happy Halloween. Yes. Happy Halloween. Right? I think so. Yeah. Because our next one isn't going to come out till the first. Yeah. So yeah. Happy Halloween. Enjoy your candy and your costumes and your drinks and your movies and anything else that's spooky. Ooh. And if you don't like Halloween and spooky stuff, I don't know why you listen to this podcast, but also have a great relaxing night then. <laughs> <laughs> Turn your light off and watch some non-scary movies. Yeah. Watch, get into the holiday mood and watch uh, the holiday. The Great Pumpkin. The Holiday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a movie. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and we end here. <laughs> and we end here. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, we love getting suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on, and all that good stuff. You can send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com or DM us on social. Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye. Bye.